Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. February 4th, 2018. That was 518 days ago. 74 weeks ago, we began teaching in the book of Acts. It's been a long, long series. <laughs> and last Sunday, last Sunday, we preached the last message in Acts chapter 28. This book of the Bible, called the Acts of the Apostles, ends with a couple of really significant verses. Referring to the Apostle Paul, who was now living under house arrest in Rome, it says in verses 30 and 31 of Acts 28, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's where the book of Acts ends. The Apostle Paul is under house arrest, but he has a substantial amount of freedom. Men and women, both Jews and Gentiles, believers and unbelievers alike, were able to come to him and visit him to hear more about this rabbi named Jesus. But that's really all we know. We have been waiting for Paul to get to Rome to speak to the seat of power in the Roman Empire to share Christ. But instead of a great climactic conclusion to the book, we're simply told that he lived there two years at his own expense. He welcomed all who came to visit him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about Jesus. And that's it. I mean, the book of Acts is awesome. Wouldn't you agree? It's awesome. But this ending could use a little work. Well, it... Every good story has a great conclusion, isn't that right? You, you, you expect everything to come together, the, the tension in the storyline is resolved, and the, the story finds fulfillment, and the narrative succeeds, but, and, and then when it does, you know, you finish a book like that, you close the last cover, you put it down on the coffee table with a sigh of satisfaction, you go, wow, that was such a great book, such a good story, but not here, not at the end of Acts. The book of Acts is is full of action and suspense. Miracles and movement abound in this book called the Acts of the Apostles. It opens with a promise of power. The resurrected, victorious King Jesus says in Acts 1 verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea and in all of Samaria uh, and to the end of the earth. And I'm thinking when I read that, wow, this is going to be a story. This is going to be an amazing story. Hold on to your seats. Hold on to your hats. And the Holy Spirit comes in power. And the disciples receive his power. And then they move out in power. It's a fabulous story. Peter preaches like his hair is on fire. And over 3,000 people come to know Jesus that day. But then in chapter 7, Stephen is martyred, and in Acts chapter 8, persecution breaks out, and in Acts chapter 9, 
Saul is on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians. And he has this amazing encounter and gets saved on the road to Damascus. And he's radically and forever changed by the gospel. And as a result, men and women are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. They get baptized. Disciples are made. Churches are planted and the kingdom expands. That's what happens. And we've seen that in our study of the book of Acts. Lydia, the seller of purple cloth, gets converted. The slave girl who's full of demons gets delivered. And the Philippian jailer who's this 65-year-old guy who just wants to retire in peace gets his whole life turned upside down and inside out. It's quite a story. Men and women are getting saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. They're being baptized, and disciples are being made, and churches are being planted, and, oh, the kingdom is expanding. That's what we see in the book of Acts. Paul goes to Corinth, and Ephesus, and Greece, and Macedonia, and step by step, the Holy Spirit has taken the apostle Paul along a path to Rome. That seems to be the ultimate destination. They're going to Rome to preach the gospel to the seat of power in the empire. We're building up to this final showdown between, uh, between the emperor of Rome and the king of heaven. But when we come to the end of the book of Acts, there is no conclusion. And there is no confrontation. We're expecting one, but it's not there. There's no finish. There's no finale. There's no fireworks. It just says... He lived there two whole years at his own expense. So he was willing to pay a a great price to to be able to share the gospel. He paid his own way in prison. Fancy that. Might not be a bad idea for Canada. And and, Did I say that out loud? Oh, my word. Uh, Writing a letter to Prime Minister Trudeau tomorrow. And, And welcomed all who came to him. So he practiced hospitality. That's a lost art today. And proclaiming the kingdom of God. He was preaching the gospel and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That, that's wonderfully encouraging, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's a bit of a pattern that I, I think we should be following today. Paying the price, practicing hospitality, preaching the gospel, teaching all things that Jesus commanded us. Even to the end of the age, he will be with us in that ministry. It's wonderfully encouraging. It's a gospel pattern we should follow. But it's not really a fitting conclusion to a book with 28 chapters. From a literary perspective. Is it? I mean, who writes a story and doesn't finish it? It seems like there should be another chapter. (laughs) It seems like there should be an Acts chapter 29. Because chapter 28 doesn't really finish the story. But, but, the Holy Spirit of God does not allow the human author of the book of Acts to finish the story because the story of the church is not yet finished. The book of Acts ends the way it ends because that's exactly how the Holy Spirit inspired it. The ending of the book of Acts is exactly the way God wanted it to be. And brothers and sisters, friends, gathered today, you and I 
You and I are the next chapter in the book of Acts. We are Acts chapter 29. We are the rest of the story. God wants us to continue the work. He wants us to fulfill the Great Commission. God wants us to make disciples who make disciples. God wants us to plant churches that will plant more churches and multiply the kingdom of God. That's his plan. We are Acts chapter 29. And you thought that he didn't write another chapter. Well, he did. You're it. You're it. We're the walking Acts chapter 29. It's the ordinary people of God who are equipped with the inspired, infallible, powerful Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God who's living and active and and He's able to do in us what we cannot do, dedicated to the Son of God and only Him, it's the ordinary people of God who can accomplish the mission of God. We've got the resources. We've got everything we need. The people of God can accomplish the mission of God. We've seen that all the way through the book of Acts. Who is Peter? Fisherman. Preaches a sermon on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people get saved. The guy hadn't been even, he hadn't even taken a class in Bible college. What's up with that? Did I just wait, waste nine years of my life going to college and seminary? But how do the ordinary people of God accomplish the mission of God? I mean, the world we live in is, is so broken. It's kind of scary out there. So how do we do that? We can accomplish the mission of God by taking the gospel of God to the people who are loved by God but don't know it yet. That's what it is. They just don't know they're loved by God. I think once we tell them about the love of God, they go... Like I did years ago. I said, yes, Lord. I I had no idea you loved me like that. Adrian and Ruth Ann Lankop are part of our church family here at the gathering. They went on a cruise recently after they both retired, and now they had time and lots and lots of money. (laughs) They discovered that there were all kinds of services available for guests on the cruise ship unless you were a Christian. Uh, The cruise line offered uh, Catholic Mass and Jewish Sabbath and LGBT meetings and Alcoholics Anonymous and even seminars on Buddhism, but nothing for Christians. So they approached guest services and asked if they might have a room for Bible study and prayer. Uh, After some discussion, they were given a room way up on the 15th floor away from everything and everyone. And the ship was not going to advertise the Bible study because it's Christian, you know. And it was located way off the beaten path, and only one person showed up to the first meeting. However, shortly after that, because God is at work and He is sovereign in all things, they entered French Polynesian waters, and everybody on the ship had to bring their passport to an office. Guess where the office was located? Right next door to the room with Bible study and prayer. So Adrian and Ruth Ann quickly put up a sign on the door that said, Bible study and prayer meeting every sea day, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. They were there every morning at 8 o'clock 
living on mission for God. They were there to have Bible study and prayer with whoever showed up. That's living on mission. By the time the cruise ended, there were 25 people from several different nations gathered there for Bible study and prayer. This is what I call church planting on the high seas. And quite frankly, Tony, I'd like to sign up for that assignment. Life on mission, even on a cruise ship. Why? Because people live such broken lives. They desperately need the good news of Jesus Christ. The world desperately needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the disciples of Jesus are the only ones who can tell them. Your neighbors and my neighbors desperately need the good news. They need to experience gospel-centered living and gospel-centered hospitality. Remember, Paul welcomed all who came to him. Man, yeah, we, we need to practice hospitality. John and Akshay are both students from India who study at the University of Windsor. John welcomed Akshay into his life, into his living space. They became roommates. Akshay was very lonely and and soon found himself struggling with depression. But John was there, and John spoke words of life to Akshay. He shared the gospel with Akshay and took him to church. And Akshay was saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And on May 5th of this year, he stood on this stage and gave his testimony and declared that he belonged to Jesus. And he was baptized on the confession of his faith in Jesus Christ. See, your family and my family, your friends and mine, our neighbors need to hear this good news that saves people. The gathering has had the privilege this year of baptizing three people who are former Muslim people. People who have come to faith in Jesus Christ from another major world religion. How? Because other people were just living on mission, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with those who'd never heard before. The Bible tells us that God originally planned a world that worked together, where everything and everyone fit together in in perfect harmony. So in the beginning, everything was good, and God's design was, was perfect. But Adam and Eve did not obey God the way they should have. And as a result, sin entered the human heart and has been there ever since. The consequence of our sin, our our wrongdoing and our disobedience to God, results in separation from Him, both now in this life and forever. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So so we all come from the same address. We all start out the same way. We're born into sin. We've, we've sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And sin always leads to a place of brokenness. Without fail, sin always leads to a place of brokenness of one kind or another. And when we realize that our lives are broken and we start to try and fix it, we look to someone or something to fill the gap and fill the hole and, and, and ease the pain. We, we realize that we need a remedy. We, we want to be rescued. Uh, we need some good news. And friends, this is the good news. Listen now. This is the good news from John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's good news. 
This is the gospel. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, came from heaven to pay the, the penalty for my sin and your sin. He, he came to live a perfect life according to the plan of God. He came to give us fresh hope. He took our sin and our shame upon himself when he died on the cross. And he paid the penalty for our sins by his death. And this, this, is, this is the message that brings back hope. To people, This is the message that infuses our lives with hope and meaning. But simply hearing the good news is not enough. It calls for some kind of response. We must come to that place where we admit our brokenness before God. We need to come to that place where we admit that we need Him, that we need salvation, and that we can't save ourselves. Heaven knows we try, but we can't do it. We need to ask God to forgive us. We need to ask for His forgiveness and turn from sin and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. That's what it means to repent and believe. I know that repent is kind of an old-fashioned Bible word, and people kind of get, get their noses out of joint when you talk about repentance But it's a Bible word, and that's why I'm using it. It's God's word, not mine. And it means that we turn away from our sin, and faith means that we turn to God and just trust in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. Romans 10, verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just a... A very simple path to salvation. Not an easy one. (laughs) It's not an easy path, but it's it's a simple one. Repent and believe. And then, as a result of that experience of salvation, then, then we get to rediscover God's perfect plan and design for our lives. We get to chase after that for the rest of our days on the planet. And it's a wonderful challenge. Some of us even get to go on cruises in the French Polynesian waters and live on mission on a cruise ship. Oh, yes, I hear you, Lord. (laughs) If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And you can do that today. You You can trust in Jesus Christ today. You don't have to delay any longer than today. You can be saved today. You can begin a a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ today. I know that some of you here today have have, have come from some Christian background. There's there's some Christianity in your history, and you've heard some of these words before, but maybe you've never really crossed the line of faith. Maybe you've never really stepped into a personal relationship with God. Today's your opportunity. Most often, people take the very first step of faith by talking directly to God. By, through prayer, saying something like this in prayer. Dear God, my life is broken. And I realize my life is broken because of my sin. It's not your fault, Lord. It's mine. And, and I believe that Jesus Christ came to live and die and, and come out of the grave alive on the third day to rescue me from my sin. So, Lord, would you please forgive me? Would you please grant me forgiveness and, and, and help me to turn from my selfish ways and follow you? I am put my faith and my trust in you today, Lord Jesus. It's a simple thing. 
It's a simple thing to take that step and, 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 and put your trust in Jesus. To kind of, you know, put religion in the back seat and step into a relationship, a brand new relationship with God. Wouldn't that be a great thing? And you, and you don't have to wait any longer. You could do that today. You can trust in Jesus today. There's no good reason to wait another minute. You can turn from your brokenness today and be born again today and have a new relationship with God today. Your heavenly Father loves you. And he cares about you. And he promises never to leave you or forsake you. Jesus wants to be at the very center of your life. He wants to be at the center of your career and at the center of your family and the center of your marriage, your relationships. Jesus wants to be the center. Why don't you invite him to do that? And he'll walk beside you every step of the way. Jesus promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Ah, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, would you pray with me now? Let's bow our heads and while I speak the words out loud, you can just say them silently to God who hears every word. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, there are are people here today who, who need you. People who need your salvation. So would you please do what only you can do? Would you, would you please reveal yourself to each and every one of us? So my friend, if you've not trusted in Jesus for eternal life yet, please do so now. Please do so today by saying something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, my life is broken and I need your help. I now believe that you came to live and die and rise again from the dead to rescue me, to save me from my sin. So please forgive me. I now believe that Jesus is the King and I want to follow Him all the days of my life. By your grace, Lord Jesus, today, through faith, I put my trust in you alone. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're celebrating our fifth birthday today. But we'd love to have an opportunity to celebrate your new birth today. If you prayed that prayer of faith with me just seconds ago, in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to go anywhere. Just stand right where you are. Just so that we can celebrate new life with you. You don't have to, you don't have to be anything but you are what you are today we're not asking you to to fill out anything or promise to do anything we're just asking you to recognize what God has done in your life today if you put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ it'll never be easier than it is today to say yes I believe in Jesus Christ today he is my savior and I, I put my trust in him so if you prayed with me a moment ago would you just stand right where you are Anyone? White knuckled? Yes. Anyone else? You prayed. You invited Jesus to be your Savior. You invited Him to be the King of your life today. You're putting your trust and confidence in Jesus today. Would you stand?
We want to put something, yes, thank you. Anyone else? Sometimes we're slow to respond, and that's okay. White-knuckled, I sat in a church service many years ago, white-knuckled, when an invitation was given. I said, I, I don't need this. I need it. So do you. Anyone else? Okay, we want to put something in your hands before we close the service. And thank you. Let's celebrate new life today, shall we? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great grace. And thank you for the way that you work, even in the midst of a birthday party like this. We're so grateful, Lord. You've proven over and over again that Christ is enough. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.